came up to his shoulders, and most of the streets were far too narrow for him to enter. To get into the grounds of the Emperor's palace, he had to step over a wall, and then to tread very carefully so that he didn't squash any of the hedges or the smaller buildings. When he stooped down and peered through the little windows, it was like looking into the most beautiful, expensive doll's house he had ever seen. He could see the Empress and the Princes inside, and was very flattered when the Empress leant out of the window and offered him her tiny hand to kiss. From now on, the Emperor was very friendly to Gulliver. He introduced him to many of the most important people at his court, and they spent a lot of time over the next few weeks sitting in the Imperial Gardens explaining all the laws and customs of Lilliput. Gulliver was always curious about this sort of thing and wanted to learn as much as possible. Some of the customs he thought were very odd. For instance, when the Lilliputians died, they were buried in the ground, not lying down, as we Europeans are, but head first. This was because they believed that the world was flat, and in a thousand years' time it would turn upside down and all the dead people will come back to life again, so they wanted to be standing the right way up when it happened. Gulliver learnt that there was another island nearby called Blefuscu, which was also inhabited by little people. He was surprised to hear that the two islands were at war with each other. What could you be fighting about? he asked. The Lilliputians told him that the two islands were at war over a very serious question. In Lilliput, the people believed that when you were eating a boiled egg, you should start by eating the little end. In Blefuscu, they thought that you should eat the big end first. They had been fighting over this matter for three years now, and more than 60,000 people had died in the war. But that's ridiculous, Gulliver said. Then the emperor asked him whether his own country had ever gone to war over something so small. Gulliver thought about this, and had to admit that it often had. He now thought of a way of pleasing the emperor, who had shown him so much kindness. He offered to swim or even walk across to Blefuscu and capture their entire fleet so that they wouldn't be able to threaten the Lilliputians any more. The Emperor was delighted with the suggestion, and the next morning Gulliver set off on his mission. He waded through the water until his feet no longer touched the seabed, and then he swam the remaining distance to Blefuscu. As soon as he reached the harbour he saw at least forty warships there. The men on board were terrified to see this giant coming towards them, and they immediately jumped into the water and swam ashore. Meanwhile, Gulliver reached into his bag and brought out the tools he had prepared already. Lots of strong threads, each with a massive hook on the end. He placed a hook upon the prow of every ship, gathered the threads together, and tried to pull the ships away with him. But the ships wouldn't move, because they had been securely anchored. So Gulliver had to take out his knife and cut every anchor rope. While he was doing this, the men standing on the harbour fired arrows continuously at his face. Gulliver wasn't much bothered by the stinging, although he did decide to put his glasses on in order to protect his eyes. Very soon he had finished his work and was able to pull the entire Blefuscu fleet away from the harbour and tow it in triumph all the way back to Lilliput. Gulliver expected the Emperor to be very pleased, as indeed he was, at first. He conferred a very high honour on him, 
making him a knight or nardak of the Lilliputian Empire. But when he asked Gulliver to return to Blefuscu and destroy all their remaining ships and to kill or capture as many of the people as possible, Gulliver refused. He said it was wrong to invade a country of free people and kill them or turn them into slaves. The emperor was very annoyed when Gulliver disagreed with him about this. He was not used to being disobeyed. He said nothing about it at first, but his anger began to grow inside him, and this meant that from now on Gulliver's life in Lilliput was going to be very dangerous indeed.